is the Counterculture Comic Podcast, and this week we're going to do a brief drive through the comic book TV universe. We've got Marvel TV, we've got DC TV, and we've got The Tick. And then we're going to end this off with a review of We Stand on Guard. I'm Nick Hemsing. And I'm Brock Beauchamp. Yeah, so we meant to do a Defenders podcast, but things kind of fell apart and we weren't able to get that situated, unfortunately. So we're just going to do a brief rundown through it, which after watching it is probably for the best. I thought it was good. I didn't love it. Um, I'm glad they kept it short. I think that was definitely in its favor, but um, I'm just kind of done with the hand and there were some power issues with the show that kind of bugged me. Um, what do you think? Of, what do you think is the so? What would you think would be a a better villain to go forward with in the Marvel Knights universe? Kingpin. Kingpin. I think yeah. Kingpin's a, a great villain. I think yeah. it, you, you, the more you use him, the smarter the show gets. Yep. You know, I, yeah, I would. And they'll probably do that for season two. Would be my guess because um, Kingpin's just kind of hanging out in limbo right now. Um. Or, you know, the Punisher again, you know, there's, or, you know, you could, let's see, I mean, there's so much mafia stuff in Marvel lore. But I think it doesn't, the, doesn't by the way that everything is set up, doesn't the Kingpin make the show have to be smart? The way that it does, because he has no power. I mean, technically he's really strong but he's just a really big fat guy um and so you have to use and that's one of the nice things about a villain that doesn't have any powers it's like lex Luthor. well then the only recourse left him is to outsmart the uh, protagonist so and the way um oh my god his name's escaping me what's his name three name guy who plays kingpin oh vincent, vincent d'onfrio yeah um, the way I only I, I was only able to rattle that off because I two seconds ago I, I went through and said name of the guy name of the guy name of the guy just beat you to it um, I mean he's just he was so good in the role and yeah I mean I just want to see more of him and it's not like the hand is a bad villain and I do like that they closed the arc on stick um, I don't like the fact that they didn't really close the arc on Elektra. Um, Elektra was fine in Daredevil um, because she's she's a character that is a foil to Matt Murdock. Well, also kind of like yeah, a foil and you know, kind of a, the chaotic element that that uh, causes him to his his uh, you can spin his story off in weird places by throwing that character in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's just there to disrupt his life basically. Mm -hmm. And agent of change. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it's just, she was so wildly under and overpowered depending on the scene. And it felt a bit like iron fist and it started getting on my nerves where she beats the crap out of Iron Fist, but then again, given the track record of Iron Fist in the MCU, I could kick Iron Fist's ass, I'm pretty sure. Well, it depends. The, I mean, it depends the, if... 
if you're, gonna, if you're if you're in a hospital hospital file room, oh, you you got him. You could take that. You could take Iron Fist down yeah. with a box. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know if he's uh, if he happens to be in one of his uh, uh, you know you know it's like a roll of the dice. You know it it comes it comes up you know it comes up snake eyes then there's a good chance he kick your ass mm-hmm. any of the other any other time when you're doing like something normal uh you could just you know pop him in the face and nobody will you'll never notice so irritating even through defenders and this was another thing that started pissing me off is he would pause in the middle of a fight and close his eyes and gather power to his fist and every time it started happening i just said kick him in the nuts because he literally stopped for like three seconds in the middle of a fight to do this thing. And I'm like, and then the whole fight with Electro down underground where it's so obvious what she's doing and everybody on the planet realizes it except dipshit McGee. <laughs> dipshit McGee. God, I mean that character. And then, so Electra beats him up and then she turns around and scraps with Daredevil for like five minutes. And again... It's like, okay, Iron Fist is more powerful than Daredevil. He just is. Yet there's, the MCU Netflix shows seem hell-bent on convincing us that Daredevil is the most powerful <laughs> fighter of the Defenders. And, and people said, oh, well, it showed hesitation on Elektra's you know, part. And I'm like, well, not really, because they didn't indicate that at all. In the actual I, show, you kind of had to just use meta knowledge to try to imply that because the showrunners didn't really give you that information. Now, confliction confliction is something that you have to, if you're going to show a character uh, being conflicted, then you, you really you, and you have to show it and you have to set it. You kind of have to set it up, you know, so you really get a um, so it becomes uh, you know a pivotal pivotal plot point if you're doing it. Yeah, you need a uh, scene where she's uh, reconsidering her life options, basically. But the scenes before that, she had killed Sigourney Weaver and taken over the hand and basically bought full in on being a bad person. And so at that point, you're like, well, there's no conflict left, and I mean. Don't get me wrong, Jessica Jones making fun of Iron Fist the entire time was fantastic. Luke Cage just shaking his head at him was great. Basically, anything that involved making fun of Iron Fist, I was fully on board with the show. Basically, the basically the uh, the the uh, everybody else making fun of their uh, their dumber younger brother. Yeah, I mean, I, I still can't believe that Iron Fist barely has won a fight. In the, let's see, 20 ep- 21 episodes we've been subjected to him at this point. Um, he's talked about this dragon more times than I can count, and yet we have nothing to see for it. There's like all this stuff that could be really cool about the character, and they're not using any of it. Well, it's kind of like you have, you know, you have three different series that where each one of them, if you're if you're bringing these in as the uh, think of the end of Fifth Element, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when they're when they're uh, setting up all the the pillars of mm-hmm. elements, and then in each one of them you have the shining you have the shining light. You have uh, Daredevil, you have Jessica Jones, and then you have Luke Cage, and then a, 
and then in the place of the other one is uh, is uh, Scott B- Scott Buck taking a crap. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say Ruby Rod or whatever his name is. <laughs> well, it could, be, it could be Chris Tucker, but in this case, we'll replace him with Scott Buck. Oh God, he annoyed uh, me in that film so much. Uh, the uh, I, you know what? I, to, to me, he he added to the craziness that was that. that movie Do you know who was supposed to play that role? Uh, no, Prince. Really? Yeah, that's oh, what uh, uh, Luke Besson wanted. Which they even had some famous designer like Gucci or something. I can't remember who it was. Uh, design outfits for him to try to lure him in. Wow! How much different would that film have been? It would have been different. I, you know, I, I hesitate to say that it would have been better. I yeah, don't think I just so. don't know. I, uh, I, I still think with, I still think with a, uh, you know, uh, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker is an actor um, who can overplay a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it was, I think it was probably better in his hands, um, even though the character was in most ways designed almost to look like a character that Prince would have been. Sure. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, but there's Scott Buck. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking a crap in the corner. And then so, you know, from all of this, we've got, you know, the Defenders. Yeah. And uh, you can't, I don't know, I don't know how how much you have to change that character. I mean, I think that you really do have carte blanche to just write him smarter. Well, uh, you know, and that's the thing is you can't. Audiences aren't going to get upset if you write a character like a moron that annoys them and then you stop writing that character like a moron that annoys them. Nobody in the audience is going to be like, that's not true to that show I hated. You know, you if you change their power levels or you do this or that, maybe they get upset, but there's no reason to keep writing him like this petulant little shit who's a moron. <laughs> so defenders you know i liked the three characters and how they interacted and i liked how they brought them together i liked how it got in and out quickly uh, only eight episodes i think was a good call um they basically they basically had them on railroad tracks they started the hand was a problem they took them on railroad tracks straight through no detours it was just about ending this one menace um the actual menace that was presented at the end seemed idiotic to me but i mostly ignored it yeah i am that's i'm just I, I'm, I'm kind of uh I, i'm kind of just excited to like everything else i think the defenders uh i think the defenders was something that i was uh more excited about a year ago and got you know, not as excited as it came up because I started thinking, well, kind of really interested to see the Punisher. Um, so I, I think capable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I mean, could, could be I still think that, you know, at this point, if you could just swap out Iron Fist for Punisher, everybody would be happy. Um, yeah. And I would put Iron <clears throat> or Defenders as a season a half step below every other season except iron fist <clears throat> well yeah because that's it, it, so it's it's kind of funny i mean it's still it's still it's if enjoyable. we put it 
So, but let's put, so let's, let's, let's do this experiment then. So, um, so if we're doing a MCU DCU comparison, mm-hmm. um, put it next to, um, uh, put it next to the C, the, um, CW DC shows, the, uh, where do you start ranking if you start, I mean, you know, granted one is, you know, gets the uh, ability to be a little, be more adult, but, uh, in just terms of you know, quality, you know, writing quality and execution. Definitely b- below both seasons of The Flash. The Flash is just a silly comic book show that never takes itself seriously, and it's intentionally <clears throat> a little bit cheesy. Um, I'd put it below the first two seasons of Arrow, maybe, but not as okay. not as far below. Um. I'd put it above League, or, uh, um, League of, uh, Legends, Legends. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, but Legends of Tomorrow is such its own beast. It is so intense. It's like it's trying to be bad. I tr- I tried to watch. I tried to watch the first episode, and I I, I, I couldn't make it through. It it's and once you watch the show a little bit more, you really get the idea that they really are trying their hardest to make intentionally terrible television. Like all okay. the actors overact, they use ridiculous voices. It's yeah, that, I, I guess that was so. It was so out there for me that I couldn't get it. I mean, even I, w- I was trying to. I tried to accept it on every level. I tried to get it as a comic book yeah. show. I tried to get it, you know, as a sci-fi show or something. And I just couldn't get my mind to accept it. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, <clears throat> it took me a while to kind of get into it, and it's still not very good. But I accept what it's trying to be. Um, so. So I would so, put defenders above that. So so we're uh, so basically, it, it does the strata at this point go, um, you know, Daredevil and maybe uh, uh, Jessica Jones kind of fighting, duking it out for the top spot. Jessica with, Jones uh, is a, clearly the best season they've done, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. First season of Daredevil was really good. It was. Uh-huh. It was. Um, I think, and the second season was good. Yeah, so I, I don't. I put this. I put the first season of either one of those pretty close, and I'd have a hard time picking it, uh, picking a top. Uh, and then I put Luke Cage right below, and then uh, the uh, and then well, then we get kind of everything else. Then we get the the those couple to two seasons of DC of uh, DCU. Mm-hmm. Then we get to, then we get Defenders, and then we everybody everybody agrees that somewhere at the bottom is Iron Fist. And maybe Legends. I'd put Legends above Iron Fist. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't think hard about it. Um, I could watch. I could watch Iron Fist. I could. I couldn't watch Legends. Um, yeah, it's just it's so intentionally silly, and it's you know I give credit to anything that is trying to be what it succeeds in being. Um, Iron Fist did not do that. It was trying to be something very different, and it failed horribly. Um, where Legends, you're just supposed to go along for the ride and there you go okay <laughs> sorry my but, um, dog just yawned, yawned yeah, next nice. to the microphone. um so speaking of um scott buck uh reviews of the inhumans are coming in and they are terrible how does this guy keep getting jo- a job um i mean well, i think it's i think it's greatest that they that they took what is shaping up to be a horrible show and it debuted it at IMAX. IMAX. Yeah. So I it's, mean, 
<laughs> so we're we're we're, we're going to say, you know, not only can we can we show this glorious turd we made, but we're going to Put make this one foot screen, forty foot screen with smell of vision. Yep. Um, yeah, when I first saw the promos for it, and I didn't know Scott Buck was attached to it. In fact, this was before Iron Fist even came out. I looked at Medusa and just said, are you kidding me? Like, that's the route they took, huh? Like, to have, first off, to have her hair parted right down the middle like that. And then she has this vibrant red hair and then this, like, like violet-colored outfit. That just, I'm like, who color coordinated this? It just all yeah. washes out on a on, on a color palette. That's just a horrible combination, and the suit's terrible as well. And well, then, then on the, in the promo shot, she looks like a uh, Adams Family character that's that makeup that makeup screwed up the order on. Uh, yeah, she's just, she's like Morticia Adams, you know, cosplaying as Pippi Longstocking or something. I don't even know. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. I, I'll, I'll go with that. And yeah, so this show just looks like a pile of shit from day one. Um, and yeah, so everybody's skewering it. And that's really all I have to say about that. I mean, shocking. I don't yeah. think I'll watch it unless I'm really bored and in the mood to hate watch something. Yeah, I uh, I, I think it's if for some reason uh, uh, MCU on TV started off stronger, I guess, with Agents. I never watched Agents, I, although I kind of feel bad about it. It's entirely um, mediocre. It's up and down, and it settles somewhere overall around mediocre. Mm-hmm. I do so like it, how the Marvel Universe is like 40 and 0, mm-hmm. and Scott Buck is 0 and 2. <laughs> it's amazing. How does that even happen? How does that guy get a shot at going 0 and 2? Uh, I don't know if it, they keep doing it. I mean, the uh, what, he, what we talked about before, he wrote the seasons of Dexter we didn't like. Yes. Uh, the So it's like he, he, he gets on shows that are good, but he's not the good part of them. No. Um, and, it, you know, it, the thing is, is that it almost seems like you're watching somebody who's uh, who's not trying to learn. That's exactly it. And it's it's two things to me. It's like, He's not trying to learn, and he doesn't actually like the genre. Yeah, I mean, the uh, you get the feeling that it's it's like he doesn't have respect for the fact that these characters these are still characters like anything else that you can develop and do something with, and you can you know write them you know just as intelligently as you write uh, a more serious drama. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It felt like a lot of the treatments we got before X-Men. You know, um, yeah. where it was like they hired a writer and the writer's like, well, okay, well, I really want to do this art project over here, but I'm going to do this for a paycheck so I can do the art project. And I don't care about the characters. I have no respect for the genre. I'm just going to physically crap this out. And... But- which is kind of funny, right? Because you end up with the opposite happening with uh, Ant-Man and Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wanted to do Ant-Man, uh, but I didn't get to do Ant-Man. But because I didn't do Ant-Man, at least I get to make Baby Driver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still haven't seen Baby Driver. So it's Yeah, we get a chance. It's really good. But anyway, it's the, the, but it's the concept. He, he made That movie got made because, of, because Ant-Man didn't 
by him. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it got made, made, but it's not by him. Yeah, so, um, okay, while we're just racking up shit, um, the Joker movie is a thing that's happening, and oh. apparently it's going to diverge from the DCU. I stopped reading because I just couldn't be bothered and closed the tab after a while. I don't understand why this is a thing that might exist. It, the uh, Here's the thing. Not every character that's existed for a very long time needs their own movie. Mm-mm. Some Some characters exist purely as villains and are best used as villains. And the, um, they are not, some characters are not, uh, some villains are, are characters that don't have, you're not going through a journey with them. Mm-mm. Uh, the, uh, there are plenty of villains you do that with. Um, usually if the, if the, if the characters, uh, the development is set to mirror in some way, the hero, um, we talked or, about this a little bit on Facebook. Darth Vader is a great yeah. example. Yeah, his development in some way is supposed to. Uh, no, granted, he could have been his story could have been told better yeah. when it got told. The execution but, was terrible. Yeah, but but it is an, a compelling story of how he actually turns to the dark side because because it is at the end a story of how he also he recant. I mean, he repents. Yep. I mean, because you have that. If he, if if Darth Vader never repented, then his story to how he got that way probably wouldn't be as important. No, or it wouldn't at all. Because it's a, essentially what it's about is Darth Vader made the wrong choice. Luke made the right one. Without seeing Luke make the right one first, you're not invested it, at all to see because it actually empowers Luke's story at the same time, if done well, which it wasn't. But. Yeah. Um, you know, you have this basically a mirror image where the mirror shatters on one side, mm. and yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the Joker is just a the Joker is a magnificent character in that he's basically the boogeyman. Yep. The uh, because because his motivations are almost unknowable, um, and you know sometimes you know, yeah they reveal his motivation at the end, but the if you the more you know about him, the the worse he becomes in, in being you know, in you actually having some investment in like uh, the the fear for your for your hero, the fear for things that are going around because you don't know what the Joker thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, you need you need him to be this agent of of fear and chaos. It's basically like the difference between horror movies and then when they involved into slasher movies, in my opinion, the horror movies that left things untold and unseen were much scarier because what you cook up in your brain is going to be horrible uh, because it's a personal horror. You're investing yourself into that moment. And because it's not shown, you can invent whatever scares you the most. Uh, but slasher films took a lot of that away by just showing you everything. It stopped being truly scary at that point. The Joker's kind of the same way with this mysterious enigma, and Christopher Nolan understood this, hence in The Dark Knight, the Joker giving a different way he got the scars in every scene. Yeah. He he basically almost just appears out of the ether. 
mm-hmm. the uh, leaving you to imagine how horrible, yep. how whatever that horrible thing created, how it came to be. Yep. But if you tell that, all of that is lost. Yeah, he shouldn't be relatable. No. In no way. Um, the In no way is the audience supposed to relate to that character, to go on a ride with that character. The uh, we 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 fear that character. We we uh, because of the way he's constructed, we think that no matter how well the you know Batman has has made his plan, the uh, the Joker can monkey wrench any part of it, mm-hmm. um, and that's what makes him so entertaining a villain, uh, and it, it's why he is persistent. The uh, I mean, yes, there's different different iterations of the of the Joker that have been various levels of psychopath or crime, you know, crime lord or what mm-hmm. have you. But the one that's the one that has kind of stuck is more of him as this is this chaotic psychopath. Yep. The uh, uh, and it seems to be the one that that captures the imagination best because it's the most a- intriguing one because they don't tell you everything. Yeah, and so and so actually, shine, making a movie out of him, shining a light on him, uh, exposes you to. It, 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 first of all, it mean it means you look at everything that you imagine the Joker, and you're going to look at that screen and say, "That's not what I imagined." Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a bad sitcom spinoff, is basically the way I view it. Like I know you don't like Friends, but lots of people do. You know, but the cohesive group of six people is what made that show work. But then you grab one piece of it like Joey and then go give it its own damn show. And all the flaws of that singular character, like you said, you're shining a bright light on it. And the Joker isn't a rounded enough character. And he's actually, his existence is not there for you to actually care about. You're not no. supposed to care about the Joker. You're supposed to care about Batman overcoming this agent of chaos and this monster. Well, and and being and and uh, and Batman being tested. Yes. Uh, his his moral character is tested by that character, and the uh, uh, and they can't exist without each other. No. Uh, but 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 make make no mistake, he's a Batman villain. He exists. Because he was a great character, great uh, antithesis to Batman, and without Batman, he's just not nearly as interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and you can't whatever you do with that movie, you can't remix it back in with Batman again because we no longer care about the Joker as much as we did before. Yep. Um, yeah, it's they they're just making really weird choices with Batman. Uh, I have this. I have essentially the exact same problems with Gotham. You know, it's I haven't tried to watch. I haven't tried to watch it. I mean, there's a couple of good characters, but it's a bunch of villains without Batman. And you can invest in some of the characters a little bit, but they're characters you were already somewhat invested in, like Catwoman. You know, it's it's easy to uh, invest in her because she, she's not a pure villain. She's not. She doesn't stand opposed to Batman. She's third party you can do interesting things with her um so it's like somebody somebody having almost the entire uh barbie dream house uh set with the car um 
you know all the extra little sets and then they couldn't afford bar couldn't afford barbie but they have all the friends yeah they have like 16 cans 16 cans <laughs> they're like why do i care so you just burn down the playhouse and then <laughs> malibu playhouse and then go do something else um but uh yeah so i don't understand why this is being made um and that's all i have to say about that let's talk about yeah. something positive okay yeah. all right well, well, do we do we have anything else positive yeah, or are we just tick. talking about the comp oh the tick oh yeah the tick. um no, i no i am not going to be positive about this comic book just forewarning okay. everybody i need to get something positive in because the 95 percent of this uh podcast is going to be a shit show <laughs> okay we're prepared yes we're, we're, good. we're good okay so uh the tick yes okay positivity yes okay Destiny ben edland is creating the tick again so you know it's not bad it's my favorite it's not my favorite iteration of the tick but i'm just so damn happy to see the tick on television and what's his name dan Saravovsky, what? Oh, uh, Saravinovich. Uh, uh, Saravinovich or whatever. P- P- Peter. Peters. Uh, P- Peters. Uh, oh, my. Liz whatever. can say his, na- his name. That guy. The guy yeah. who plays the tick. You know, he was in mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead and a bunch of other stuff. Um, he's very good as the tick. He'll never be Warburton in my book, but, but I know a but lot he, of people. But don't he's like really. Warburton. <laughs> he's he's really channeling Warburton. Though. He really he's is doing a lot. He's doing. He he looked at that, and I think it, here's the thing: Patrick Warburton was was did a great tick. Oh, so uh, it's so good that he almost made the template for TV for making the tick. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, so much so that to try and take it in a different direction is is not that smart i mean really he's he was so he was so good that way that you kind of have to take a piece of what he did and and incorporate it yeah because it was really good but um peter um unknown name uh is doing a (laughs) hell of a job um the rest of the cast seems fine the one thing that uh, oddly enough about this show that i didn't really think about it much until it was presented to me but i don't actually want a story with the tick like the season is you know a continuing story of the the same characters and events and like the third episode in i realized i just like the tick in a pure sitcom format it works well that way it's Um, just i just want mayhem for 30 minutes it's all i want yeah, I don't want I, exposition. I, I don't want to understand what the why the characters are doing things. In fact, the less I understand about what's going on, the more I enjoy it. There have been no ninjas up through four episodes, which disappoints me enormously. It does. It is very disappointing. I do expect ninjas at some point. But in Ben Edlin's defense, who is a genius in my, my eyes, <laughs> um, he has done the tick over half a dozen times. In various iterations and i totally get he wants to do something different more power to him it's still good it's still enjoyable um i've been enjoying it more as the season progressed yeah the first the first episode the first episode gave me a um a weird feeling of what direction it was going to go in mm-hmm. and uh luckily luckily the second episode i'm like okay they were just fucking with me um and i was happy that they were fucking with me yeah, 
the uh, that was one Although of the. Although that's a dangerous thing to do with a pilot. It is. It is really a dangerous thing to do. Um, but they also knew that they were going to get you know, uh, they were going to get other full season out there. Uh, so they kind of uh, they kind of played with us a little bit there. Well, they didn't but, know they were going to get a full season. That's uh, how they didn't? no. Oh, that's, that's how right, Amazon does its right, pilots. It a, that's right. It was a pilot. I forgot that that was a pilot. It's I, literally I, a fan competition. That's how yeah. Amazon does its pilots. But um, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's good, fun television. It's just not my favorite iteration of the tick. Um, but there's never been an iteration of the tick I did not like quite a bit. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's good. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, it ha- it always they always manage to work in some moments that are beautifully, uh, beautifully chaotic. Yes. Um, the uh, um, Arthur Arthur's still growing on me. Yeah. Uh, he, I think that I, I think they tried to serious Arthur up a bit too much. Yeah, they're playing him too much like a straight man, which they kind of have to do if you're telling a sequential story, like you're you're telling a chronological story and not sitcom format. Because you have to have one character who's kind of the rudder. Yeah. Who kind of steers you through a, a, a continuous story where if it's a sitcom, everyone's allowed to be a bit of a lunatic. Because yeah. there's no repercussions. Once that 30-minute mark hits, boom, you wipe the slate clean and you start again next episode. It is a, it is a bit of an interesting experiment to see something so oddball actually try a, try a story. Um, the uh, And stay, I still enjoy it. I mean, I still enjoy the show. I, th- I like it. I mean, I like the show. It is interesting to see it try and hold a story with the tick. Um, yeah. who, seem, who seemingly just, you know, throws everything into disarray. Um, the, uh, so, I mean, I'm kind of interested to see, I mean, I'm, I'm <clears throat> I wish they had just dropped the whole season for us to binge. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason they were anti bingers, uh, the, uh, and said they wanted to break it up. So every wouldn't just, wouldn't just binge it at once. Yeah. But, with only six 30 minute long episodes. I mean, you can sit down and be done in the, you know, in half a Peter Jackson movie. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. We would be, uh, we would just be getting to the, uh, was it the inn of Last Home or whatever, whatever that one, uh, the first, no, Prancing Pony. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, Frodo, at the end of the tick, Frodo would just be getting to the Prancing Pony. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's, uh, um, I think it's fun. I hope, certainly hope they keep making more of them. Um, the, I'm sure uh, they will. Once I got the first season, and I knew Ben Edlund was going to be given license to, you know, do his thing, even though it's different than what I expected. Um, I'm sure it'll get a second season. But he, you know, you know the 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 thing he we needs just for fans is we need ninjas. So we're, many we're gonna ninjas. we're so we're many. gonna we're gonna need ninjas, and we're going to need ninjas hiding behind ridiculously flim disguises As, yeah just uh, hiding behind a bush yeah just you just know. you know behind a bush sean spicer you know, the ninja you know behind, you know trying to hide behind a light pole um the uh it's, we just need this yes. <laughs> so we, need, we need sean spicer ninjas <laughs> <laughs> um so um 
Is there any other happiness we want to bring out of this before? Uh... Um, yeah, um, it's mixed happiness, but uh, I'm coming around to it finally. I have begun, uh, not, I haven't begun reading Ennis's Punisher run. I've actually read a lot of it now. I've read, I read all 12 issues of Welcome Back, Frank, which was done under Marvel Knights imprint. So it was under all the restrictions of Marvelness with no swearing, no excessive violence, blah, blah, blah. I, mm. I really liked Welcome Back, Frank. I thought when you when you put chains on Garthiness, I think that's when he's at his best. I, I yeah, I have I haven't read this. I've read pieces of it. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, the uh, uh, I should have read it. Mm. I mean, I definitely this is like the I'm a Garthiness fan, uh, but I, I have not read this yet. It is, um, you know, of course, the Daredevil scene of Daredevil being tied up with a yeah. gun is from that but basically the thomas jane punisher movie lifts mm -hmm. heavily from welcome back frank and the punisher works better when it's not just the punisher 24 7 because he's he's a paper thin pretty boring character uh, yeah he's so well, giving him people to bounce off and care about brings life to the character or brings dimension to the character well, he, yeah, because other, otherwise he otherwise he's just an eighties eighties uh, action hero revenge story. Yeah, that he's, he's going too long. Yep. Yeah, he's he's you know he's several sequels of Cobra. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the uh, at some point at some point we're wondering what is he taking re possibly be taking revenge on anymore because everything is fucking dead. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like Cobra Six, where even Stallone didn't had the decency to bow out of it. <laughs> son, son of Cobra. Yes, exactly. And they get some guy who kind of looks like Sylvester Stallone, but was able to be hired for like ten thousand dollars. Um, so, but they then get, it flips over to Max. Which have you read any of the Max issues? Um, uh, is it Punisher Max? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, it's they switched away from the Marvel imprint into Max uh, where it allowed Enos to basically be super violent, swear a lot, do all the things that he loves. So, and I hated the first six issues, hated them coming right off. Welcome back, Frank. Um, it was just like, okay, it starts out, I believe with like a two or three pages of a Punisher monologue and you know what the, you never need to hear is a Punisher mm. monologue because it's exactly what you would expect it to be. <laughs> it's a Sylvester Stallone monologue. Yeah. I'm going to kill shit. <laughs> to kill Great. my family. And now mm. I'm out. You know, and of course he's like loading guns and like strapping on belts and shit while he's doing this. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, shoot me now. Um, but then it gets much better. And I've read the first 18 issues of the Max run. And... It also ends up being quite good because I think Enos kind of realized what he's doing wrong. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to start telling the story through people around the Punisher. And sometimes they're like British secret agents. Um, other times they're like a Delta Force guy and Nick Fury and some American generals. And so the story's not really about the Punisher. It's about people not using the Punisher, but convincing the Punisher to go do their dirty work. 
Yeah, which that's pretty good. I, you don't get I, any de- character development from the Punisher, which is kind of a good thing. You, yeah, because he doesn't really he doesn't really develop. No. Um, the uh, I, I I I'll have to go take a look through them. I yeah. The uh, uh, I definitely I like. I, I think you're right in saying that Garthinus, when is best used, when it, he's kind of like. Um, uh, when he he's kind of like a mixed drink, um, the with the underlying the underlying drink can sometimes be uh, not as good straight. Yes, like like you could you uh, you could make an excellent uh, excellent martini with Garthina. He's a vodka cocktail. I was just gonna say he, he's a vodka cocktail. But if he, but if if you're like but if you're like I really like this drink, um, you know why don't you just give me why don't we just skip the other stuff and just give me the alcohol. Yeah. And then, and then you get that instant regret. Mm-hmm. Um, then sometimes, sometimes he's that. I wouldn't say he's always that way. No, um, but he's. He, I mean, some. I mean, I, I like him because it, he definitely has moments where he is brilliant. Yeah, without uh, a doubt. And, it, and he's brilliant on his own. When, when he, and sometimes it's it's him on his own being brilliant. Um, it's just that some of the things that fascinate him um, are just are not as fascinating to everybody else who yep. isn't Carthenus. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, uh, like watching people, you know, watching a, a several issues of a comic where people are just violently pulled apart in pieces. Yep. Um, the, uh, I, 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 I tried, but it's, it's, it's a bit much. Um, so that's, I mean, but you know, I, you know, it's, it's his, he can he can create what he wants, and we just kind of pull what we like. But mm-hmm. um, you can you can tell that some, like you said, when he's when he's got some rules on him, um, it's he's probably a little bit more reliable when he has rules on him. Yeah, because it it forces him to think around the rules instead of mm-hmm. I I think part of the thing is his gut reaction is to just go violent, um, and when you kind of put chains on them and say you can't do that well it forces them to be clever yeah like like he, he uh, it's like he benefits from an amazing editor yes very much so some uh, like an editor that probably has like a little bit of power in the decision making the uh, just to go no no no, no. Go, go go this this one you might want to just cook this a little longer yeah. <laughs> with less blood <laughs> please stop yes. cooking this with blood yes. um <laughs> the uh let's so, be a little bit r- less rapey this time garth yeah yeah uh, less less rape and murder in the exact same panel yeah um, <laughs> there you go <laughs> the uh um the uh so yeah, it's I, I, I. But again, I I I say this with love because uh, I do I love a lot of Garthinus's work. Um, oh, without a doubt. Uh, uh, and he's he still when 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 he's when he's firing, he's a, he's he's a he's an amazing writer. Yeah, I think um, Welcome Back, Frank is probably the best Punisher study story I've ever read. Actually, yeah. no, there's no doubt about that. It is the best Punisher story I've ever read. So he made a he made a character that wasn't. Uh, that who wasn't great, and then made him great for uh, f- a few issues. Yep. Yeah, I, I need to read it. I've, I've read I've read the the scene that appeared in Daredevil. Um, the uh, but I haven't read uh, uh I haven't read some of the other stuff. Uh, anything else? Yeah. About um, it, so. You know, maybe we'll cover it um, soon. Okay. Um. Um. So um. 
So is the happiness over? Yes, happiness is over. So let's go ahead and mosey on over to We Stand on Guard. Here's a rundown. Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn teams with artistic legend and Matrix storyboard artist Steve Scrochi? Scrose? I'm not sure. Um, for an action-packed military thriller that will have everyone talking. hundred years from now, a heroic band of Canadian civilians must defend their homeland from invasion by the United States of America. Okay, there are two things I love about this book. I love the art. Art's fantastic. I love the concept. That's it. Okay. That's all I got. What, why don't you also add, okay, I can add one thing. It's also short. I actually think that goes, ag- very rarely, I think that goes against the book in this case. It is too big a story to be told in six issues. Okay. All right. All right. Twelve, well, you know. I think, could have done it. Um, it's about the big, the most powerful country in the world annexing its northern neighbor, who has been reliably friendly for, at let's see, when the story takes place, three hundred years. Um, you think you 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 thinking that uh, Thelma and Louise uh, uh, got in the got in the car on highway highway one, just going to San Francisco, and just took a, took a left a bit too early? Yeah. Um, it just this book doesn't make any sense. Um, it's about the U.S. running out of water, which I will get into in more detail later. <laughs> so they invade Canada, which has all the water. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tackle that one later too. Um, and so they invade Canada so that they can take the water. And the entire time I'm sitting here reading it, like. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay. The U.S. and Canada, just get this out of the way. The U.S. and Canada share four lakes, and the U.S. has a fifth that it's only in its border. They're called the Great Lakes. They contain 20% of all the fresh water in the fucking world. (laughs) One out of five gallons of fresh water is located in these Great Lakes. Now, okay, now if you shift this story about Canada fighting back because the U.S. is mistreating the Great Lakes, you get me to buy in. But to say that the U.S. drained the Great Lakes, now just Lake Superior on its own, for those of you who have not been to it, it's basically like an ocean. It is the surface area, the largest freshwater lake in the world. It has something like four or five quadrillion gallons of water in it. Theoretically, I guess you could drain it. Theoretically, I guess you could drain it. But then again, it would just refill again because all that water from Lake Superior, guess where it's coming from? Canada. (laughs) All the rivers feed from Canada into Lake Superior so Canada is giving you their fucking water whether they want to or not. Are you saying that this book is relying on an incredible amount of ignorance? Oh my god, so much. And all they had all Vaughn had to do was shift it about a story, a battle of the Great Lakes, essentially. And that is a, that is putting aside all the well, the US has so much coastal land. You just start building desalination plants 
and more desalination plants and more desalination plants. And if that doesn't work, then you start cutting back on the, you start rationing meat, which meat is a huge consumption of water in the U.S. Well, let's just, let's just, this is an allegory, this is an allegory story. Yes, but it didn't have to be. That's my point. It, it, it well, was, it, it, this this thing this thing always oh, from from concept execution all the way through was always intended to be and would not exist if it if it had not intended to be a allegory story. Sure, and I just it was so flimsy. It felt like the day after tomorrow, where you're like, okay, the concept of this, you're trying to drive point a home, except you're doing it in such a fake ridiculous manner that you have lost your entire point so the uh would you have handed this when you know would you have handed this to tolkien if you could and he said yes this is my point yes <laughs> <There you go. laughs> i fucking hate allegory <laughs> it, well i think the pro i think the main problem with allegory is that it sometimes gets people to um to overreach Oh, absolutely, and without a doubt. To, they uh, they'll they'll want to because it's really difficult to make those points sometimes. The uh, and then if somebody goes, well, we have Canada has a lot of water, you know, just like the Middle East has a lot of oil. Um, why don't we just have this be a fight over water so we can get you know Canada fighting? Like you know, it's it it is it is a it's a weird it's a concept so weird um that somebody thought somebody had to have thought at some point that, that this sounds this sounds really smart uh yeah. because we got to get you know canada and the u.s fighting so people understand what's going on in the middle east <laughs> and and to my my point my I, to that i would say well, why don't you just write a story in the middle east well uh, i i understand the point that's why i like the concept is it's about showing how somebody who could be friendly yeah. can be turned into an adverse uh, adversary. Um, I really like that concept, and I really like the idea of two friendly countries basically duking, scrap, it, out. duking it out over a resource that was, n was not scarce but became scarce. And that's why I just said, you know, the idea for it was gift wrapped to them, the Great Lakes. The U.S. Mm -hmm. starts draining the Great Lakes, and Canada says, "Hey, you can't do that." War. You know, yeah. you have it right there in a nutshell. They share an asset, and if one one country starts taking that asset, the other country gets huffy about it. But then yeah. at the end, they throw in this weird thing where, again, it's that Middle East allegory, and it's just trying too hard. Where Canada started the war. With like this weird, yeah. like some weird preemptive strike sort of thing, yeah, which makes no sense whatsoever, and it's literally thrown in there in like three pages. Yeah, it, it, well, it, it it makes no sense from because I think it, the problem is is that that you could you could make that story with Russia or China, you can't make it sound plausible with Canada. No, because, I mean, I love Canada. It's a great country. I like to make fun of it, but it's a great country. Um, we would we would bowl over Canada in three minutes. Yeah. 
we just would. We we literally outpopulate them tenfold, and we share the world's largest unguarded border with them. Yeah, it would be attacking them. Would be nothing. Them attacking us would be nothing less than a suicidal move. Yeah, and so throwing that in at the end, and you're like, "Wow, Vaughn, you are just trying way too hard," and they were easily avoidable mistakes. Like, I think it just again, it felt to me like if this is fleshed out to twelve issues, and Vaughn maybe does a little bit more research and thinks about all this a little bit harder. It's a really good series because I think it's a story that is really compelling if told well, but this felt really half-baked. Yeah, well, I, it's, you know, I, I initially, initially I think I conditioned myself to like the fact that stories would end in five issues or something or six issues, however long this one was. I, had, I bought the volume, so I lost track of what issue it was. Um, the, uh, uh, but... I thought the I, I didn't particularly like the um, the villain. I didn't really like the villain so much. Um, no, it, just just going with uh, just going with character. Uh, you know, to talk about characters. Mm-hmm. I thought that the um, I felt that you know maybe to your point here, we didn't have enough time to spend with the hero the the hero to really um, get any sort of like a, a real strong sense of her motivations. No, she was just real mad. And you're yeah. like, well, that's, that's the Punisher again, bring back to the Punisher. I mean, he's just real mad. Um, that's not, that's not great motivation. No, it's not enough. I mean, if you want us to, if you want us to really buy and if you want us to really get into her, the climax of the story, we kind of need a little bit more. Yep. Uh, we actually need more of her anger. We need more. Uh, we need more justification for her anger. Not just justification, but we need more time spent with it to really, mm-hmm. uh, to really get it. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think I could buy it. I could buy it. It, sh- it should have been longer. Um, the uh, initially I, like I was any of the that. characters. That was part of the problem. <laughs> well, it does make it difficult to like a story when you don't like the characters. Um, because they I, I all just, feel like they got five minutes of screen time. Yeah. I think that's the, the problem is, is, is I think there are a lot of characters that you're supposed to like um, the, uh, and they, uh, you don't really, again, if you're going to have a motley, you know, group of freedom fighters, um, the, uh, don't depend on us just quickly accepting that they're a motley group of freedom fighters by constantly uh, telling us that they're yeah, a motley group us. of freedom yeah, we, fighters. And ultimately their sacrifice means more if we have more investment in them. Absolutely. Like Vaughn really wanted us to like the French guy, the French Canadian. And it was kind of easy to start liking him a little bit, but then he just dies. Yeah, well, no, end of story. Yeah. It's just, it's just end of story. I mean, I don't even know if he dies. I think it's just end he? of story. You know, I lost no, I don't track of him. I, I, yeah, if he, if he dies, it's just, it's just end of story. It's like, oh, okay, well, he just exists. It, it, he was, the problem is at the end, he was too purpose-built. Mm-hmm. Um, to, he, he, his, his concept, like, written on page was too plain. Um, you would say, like, why does this character exist? It, he exists because he is a TV personality, and at the end of the story, we need a TV personality to get people's attention. Yeah. I mean, it's Tom Petty didn't save the movie The Postman. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> that's an obscure reference for everyone out there no um the uh i don't think it was possible to save that movie <laughs> no um, it certainly was not the uh so it's yeah it's definitely um it there's the story would have benefited just uh by um i guess so so we, i guess if we rack this up what story would have benefited by uh, boiling uh, or uh, make, uh, spending a little bit more time on that concept, um, the uh, making it make some sort of at least sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and then the other thing is is uh, you know I uh, I think that somehow we had to have either um, more character development and less action, um, which probably which would have meant time. Yes, and think of it this way. This one thing that I walked away from the book with is it would have been very challenging to write this way, but it would have been a much stronger allegory, is there is no villain. The villain is the U.S. military. There's no personalization to it. It is this giant machine with no single cog as far as you can tell that makes it go it just goes and that's what they were fighting i mean once once they uh once they get down to it it's you know the the actual people they're fighting you know they didn't make any of this decision they're just following along mm-hmm. and just... you don't even really show the people on the american side you show them as this at this at this point in a hundred years in the future an automated force that is being driven by forces completely unknown to you and it's just this faceless villain that is just you know it's kind of like um the the matrix before agent smith became a prominent character you're fighting this giant faceless thing that just keeps coming at you no matter what. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think um, overall, so I, I'm, I'm going to say you're going to tell everybody they need to buy it, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, I think it's, uh, I mean, we got it on sale at Comixology. I wonder if it's still on sale. Um, the, uh, it's, uh, I, I think it was kind of a waste of the design work put into it. It really was because they're like, I, like I said, the art's beautiful. The concept of the story is something I really want to read. So when I found out what it was about, I was like, oh, cool. I want to check this out. And then, yeah, that um, didn't last long. I mean, I had, I, I mean, I recommended it, uh, well, mainly because I saw it on sale, but I also saw, you know, mm-hmm. um, I saw, you know, who was involved. I'm like, oh, well, you know, it should be at least be should at least be a capable story. And it well, was, I think my exact quote was, well, Oh, Brian K. Vaughn's involved. Well, it won't be terrible then. No, it's, uh, and it's, I think it's, it's not, it's not, terrible. it's not that it's terrible, but it really, but it could have been, like you said, smarter and better. It's own potential makes it worse. I think. Yeah. Because I, I, you see the glimmers of something you really want to read underneath it, and you're not getting that at any turn. Yeah. So, 
Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> that could, that could be edited out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I heard your lungs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I could yeah. map I could map your lungs from that cough. Um so uh anyway, so uh uh yeah, I give I, I you could pass on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a definitely pass it, for me. Yeah, it's it's not his best work. Um, close. I think you could find a lot better uh uh a lot better in that. Yeah, I just think I think we've seen I think we can see a lot better, you know, insurrection stories and stuff like that than that. Um and I, mean, I honestly think Red Dawn is better than this because Red Dawn <laughs> knew it was terrible. I, and the thing is, is ins, insurrection stories can, you know, or, or rebellion stories can be so compelling. Mm-hmm. The uh, um, you really do have instantly have uh, people who are like, well, what are they fighting against, you know? And then you have lots of twists that you can have for who, the, you know. Uh, the nature of who they're fighting, uh, uh, who they're fighting against. It's just uh, I, th- I keep trying to. I was looking up uh, Brian K. Vaughn and I kept typing brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, he did Saga. He did Why the Last Man, which we've yeah. talked about both. Um, he did uh, the Runaways, which I don't think you've read, but I've read a fair amount of it. He's done a lot of really good work. It's it's funny that each one of those works I have some issue with. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I, I recognize that there that there's there's lots of good stuff about there's lots of good in them, but I also find a lot that I have I have concerns. See, uh, I like Saga a lot better than you do. And did you read the entire run of Why the Last Man? No, I bailed. Oh, okay, uh, it keeps getting better. And imagine if Why the Last Man ended after its first volume. Well, we wouldn't have exactly been positive about that. <laughs> no, it would have been horrible. Yeah, but um, by the end, I really liked the series. All right. Well, I mean, at some point, maybe I'll go back to it uh, the uh, and try and finish it out. I, I just, I it was the the high concept was getting to me after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and I, I think it was because I I stopped identifying with the main character. Uh, yeah, because he was an idiot, and it was really hard to after a while. That was what was really killing me. He stopped being um, an idiot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it, it took an awful long time for him to stop being an it idiot. It sure did. The uh, I, I would have been like, you know, you kind of get the handle of what's going on in the world pretty quick here. You mm-hmm. should be a little smarter than this. Well, you um, either get smarter or you die. Those are the yeah. only actual options in that situation. Yeah, So, I, 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 but it took a while it took him too long to get smart before I bailed. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like um, a zombie movie where one just normal, totally normal schlep only will fight zombies with brass knuckles. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> no, that guy's gonna die, or he's gonna pick up a sword. Yeah. Uh, those are his two options. Um, yeah, or this, or this better be a comedy. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because, <laughs> because, that's, because that's the only way that that survives. Yeah. I mean, I like there's a uh, I like Zombieland because it's a comedy. Yes. The uh, it would it would be a whole lot less interesting as a serious movie. Yep. So um, anyway, so skip this. Um, we're we're gonna go read. Um, well, I'm gonna go read uh, Punisher. Uh, 
the uh, Garth Ennis's run on Punisher um, because I should, and I'm bad because I haven't. Um, so I think that's coming out as our recommendation for the day. Yeah, <laughs> of things to do. Um, the uh, other than that, uh, are they are they making a Jessica Jones too? Uh, yes, uh, I think they punted on it, and yeah, they are. And uh, um, David Tennant's are coming back for it, and so that's causing a lot of consternation among people. I hope it's just flashbacks. Please I, I, don't I, I, bring him I, back. It has to be because the only reason that he can really exist at all in there is because he was uh, central to how screwed up she was. Yeah, and she uh, broke his power. Yeah. So there's nothing so, left to tell with that character anymore. No, no, his 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 story is completed. Yep. She uh, overcame the adversity that is him. Yeah. So the only the only way he could possibly appear is uh, she, he made her do something in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much the only way that that exists. And given how smart the first season was, I suspect that will be the case. Well, you know, I mean, hey, uh, there's a writer who's free. I mean, he's just finished up. Uh, yeah, in humans. You know, in humans. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they can, you know, roll him right over to Jessica Jones. I mean, is his nickname guaranteed one season at this point? <laughs> guaranteed one season. Oh, it, it, you know, and, you know, I, I just I feel in a way you feel bad because you, you kind of look at somebody and go, you said, how do you I kind of just want to look at him and say, how are you not getting it? Yeah. How do you not see where your flaws are? And why don't you, you know, just crawl under a rock for a while and double down on some self-examination of why you're just getting skewered? And who's your friend? Who's your friend who, who keeps, keeps getting you these jobs? Oh. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it, some of this, some of the writing of this should be obvious. I mean, it's just this is a why why somebody the director should look up and say why is he stupid at this point right now? Yeah. Um, the uh, and it's like well it's because we're doing the story, but you realize he's stupid right now, right? Yes. And then he's going to be smart then, but he's stupid right now. Um, that's just not this is this is all in the same episode. This isn't remarkably, you know, this isn't cohesive at all. Why don't you I mean, go ahead and sit down and read the entire episode script in one sitting? Yeah. And maybe you'll get an idea of what I'm saying here. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't this sort of thing drive the editor nuts? I you don't know? understand how, like, the other producers and the EPs um, weren't like, no, whoa, time out. We, we stopped production for one week. And one week, you could tighten up that script so much. Yeah, you, you, the uh, that is always the amazing thing to me is that with as many hands that are in involved in this as possible, and, and as many hands that have seemingly been involved in doing other work that is smart, mm-hmm. how does how does this get passed? Like, how does this get out of quality control? Yeah, I don't get uh, it. So anyway, I, we, we, I guess we just had to do this other drive-by past Iron Fist okay, and, uh, yeah. and 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 uh, Inhumans. But it's the new yeah. Zack Snyder on this podcast. Well, it, just, it just baffles me. I mean, it really, but see, see Zack Snyder. You can look and say, I know why they picked him. Mm-hmm. I know what they were thinking. Um, the uh, I knew when they looked at Three Hundred or they looked at Watchmen. Um, Watchmen. They liked 
you know, he, he, he looks like he can handle comic book properties in this dark, gritty way that's entertaining. And uh, they didn't. They didn't miss the. They missed the parts of the Watchmen that were that were. You should have said, "Well, wait a second. <laughs> you you got to watch him with comic book characters." Yeah. Um, the, uh, but, uh, you could see why they made the decision. Oh sure. I'm just I'm just not sure that you can say the same with Scott. With Scott. No, you can't. Um, he came out of nowhere, and where you can't. He came from largely not very good places. And I don't understand how that script was submitted and nobody said, whoa, no, no, yeah. this is, this is bad. This is and really bad. And we're talking about the same place where they stopped, <clears throat> they stopped the Ant-Man with a good director mm-hmm. and, and pulled them out and said, you know, say, Hey, you know, we like you, but we're, we're just not like the direction this is going. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to change. And it still ended up being good. And the, uh, and, uh, he's Dara's elements that they kept. But so we, we, we know that we know that the Disney machine. Yeah, um, it's the same machine that saw Winter Soldier and was like, hey, Russo Brothers. Here's yeah. like four more movies. It's the same. It's the same machine that it, it, it's the same re- related to the same machine that said um, we can't have the Han Solo movie look this way. Yep. And stopped it, you know, I mean, and gave it to somebody else. There's something about, there's something in, in the Disney movie and TV machine normally that seems to seem like, well, you know, if something, if something's not looking good, they put the brakes on it and then, and then, uh, you know, pick it, you know, let's go, let's, let's take this back down to, uh, let's take this back down to the frame and, and, uh, rethink this. Well, it's. One of the great things about Disney is that they let their companies basically run themselves. I know the Han Solo movie was directly Kathleen Kennedy saying, no, this is and oh, Kathleen yeah. Kennedy is George's, you know, his girl Friday. And mm-hmm. she took over Lucasfilm years ago. And um, she said, no, this is not what Han Solo should be. So I totally trust Kathleen Kennedy in that regard. She has not steered me wrong in the past 10 years. Um but Kevin Feige is normally, I just wonder if it's getting too big. You know, Star Wars is still small enough um, where Kathleen Kennedy could be like, whoa, hold up. Nope. Does not Han Solo get somebody else in here to do this? But Kevin Feige, he's one guy overseeing three movies, you know, four or five TV shows a year now. I just wonder if he just can't keep up. Yeah, or is it, or do you just have the TV exec, network executives getting in the way, or something? I wonder about that as well. Like, what kind of level of interference is being run by Netflix? Yeah, I don't know. Well, but it's not just Netflix. The Inhumans is where it's uh, ABC, ABC, which is well, those Disney's channel, but you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. So, all right. Well, I guess we'll just leave leave uh, this podcast a little perplexed. Yeah. So I mean, we might be back next week because um, I have a, a convention in Madison in two weeks. So okay. um, we will see. It'll either be one or three weeks. We will know soon. But um, that's all I have for today. What about you? Uh, I've got nothing. I uh, the uh, brewed my first batch of beer and it's uh, fermenting over there. So that's about all I've got going on. Nice. I don't have conventions coming up. <laughs> um, 
The uh, I went to a board game convention uh, last weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw something about that. Went to the, there's a local one they do in L.A. and uh, you know what? Seventeen year old me, sixteen year old me was absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> uh, the uh, I looked around and I saw people doing everything that I thought that I would be doing at forty. Um, the uh, I'm not doing it at forty. However, you know, still kind of interested in going back to getting a little bit of that on my system. Sure. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my conventioning. Um, the uh, the uh, I think the only major convention for the rest of this year could be wrong, but I think there's the Stan Lee's Comic Con in L.A. Uh, so I'm gonna try and make it to that one this year. Ah, cool. That's all I got. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our site at schlockworks.com, where you can view podcast archives, check in on our other projects, or swing by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for today. I'm Brock Beauchamp. I'm Nick Hemsing. Thanks, everybody. We'll